0: Welcome into Around the Bases, your weekly dose of baseball with a little extra. Now, to take you Around the Bases, here are your hosts, J.T. Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty.
1: Welcome into the latest edition of Around the Bases, J.T. Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and a llama, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Joe McNulty. We uh, we do the show with the three of us in different locations through Zoom. And Joe, we mentioned in the first episode, Joe doesn't have a camera, but you've got a llama like within like the show open was playing, and I look up and there's a llama.
2: Yeah, I figured I had to add a profile picture in there, and uh, well, that was my latest screenshot that I had. Hashtag How uh, that new profile
1: picture, most
3: accessible picture you uh, have. <laughs> no questions. No questions. I feel like this is just going to be one of those things that randomly throughout the show he changes it to
2: every like, episode. Yep, it will uh, be a new picture.
1: Is that a is that a new fan poll? Vote for vote Joe's new profile pic each week.
2: I, I like it.
3: <laughs> that could get dangerous. True. That's
1: true. That's opening a horrible can of worms. <laughs> well, welcome into uh, this is episode three of Around the Bases. We'll talk some MLB some. College, got a little bit of college baseball discussion. Obviously, the season's not going on, but we've got a little bit of discussion in there. Uh, we've got some kind of fun baseball stuff to kick around, and then we've got our, our rundown draft this week, our all-time home run derby roster uh, going big time four rounds this week. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing who who all we're going to get. I think in this one, we really haven't had an issue with people getting something that the other one wants. I think we're going to have some issues in this draft.
2: Yeah, I made sure to put multiple names down just so that I had extras in case you guys took some of the guys that I wrote down.
3: Yeah, you've got to have a full draft board, and it's going to be interesting to see if everybody goes about it the same way, or is it? Do you put your own little spin
1: on it, and you get some rando out in <laughs> left field? I do have a couple of randos. I do. I'd imagine. <laughs> is that is that a me thing, or just in general the three of us? <laughs> yeah, I think it's yes. three of us. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the the news that broke just a couple of hours ago over in the American League. The Toronto Blue Jays don't have a manager anymore. They have relieved Charlie Montoya of his duties. Uh, guys, this is a team with a winning record, and they're currently in position to, if the season ended today, they'd be in the postseason, and they let go of their manager. What What's the deal here? Whenever you
3: sent us this in our group message, the first thing in my head was, there's got to be something more to this. Like To me, there has to be something more that comes out in the next couple of days. I mean, this is coming barely three months after Montolio signed a one-year extension. So this isn't something like he's in the middle of a eight-year deal and they started tanking. I mean, they've dropped nine in the last 11, but that's not something to set a team on fire. Yeah. Like you mentioned, they're a half game up in the wild card for the final wild card spot against Seattle. To me, there's got to be something more.
2: Yeah, even if you, like you said, Colin, they dropped nine of their last 11, but the All-Star breaks right around the corner. I mean, it just feels a little too early to to call that, uh, to pull the plug on that. And it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. This,
1: this feels like a, very much a panic move, but also like I look at the Angels where they got rid of Joe Madden, And yeah, at the time, they were playing really bad. But they've continued to be bad since they let Joe Madden go. So clearly, like, that wasn't an issue. And then you look at the Phillies with Joe Girardi. I don't really think he was the issue, but they've played better since he's been gone. So I I, I don't know. I I see both sides, but I don't see this move working out the way the Blue Jays think they do. No, and when you look at the Phillies and you look at the Angels,
3: it was more sustained throughout the first part of the whole season was not great. Blue Jays have been good. Yeah. Like we talk about they've lost nine of the last 11, but they're still in the wild card picture. Most teams, and especially, I mean, you look at it, they're what 15 games back of the Yankees for the division, but whatever. Everybody is. And so that doesn't really play into it. You're in contention for the wild card. You have the wild card right now. And you're also hitting a rough stretch, and they played some pretty good teams in that stretch. So, again, I this one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think you're going to see a lot more coming out of this in the next couple of days. I don't know anything, but I would be shocked if this is just uh, we've lost nine of the last 11, teams starting to scuffle a little bit, and, okay, we're going to get rid of our manager.
1: On the, the same division side, I know this wasn't in the, the show doc, but I know that we can both talk or all three of us really can talk about it. The Orioles don't suck. No. <laughs> like they're continuing to win they've won as of recording, we're actually a day early this week on a Wednesday. As of right now, they've won nine games in a row. They are at five hundred at forty four and forty four. I still don't get what's going on with this club, but they're still finding ways to win.
3: No, and we talked about it last week. They had their first winning month since August of 2017, which blows my mind still saying that. But, and I'm not going to say I'm a closet Baltimore Orioles fan, but my wife from the Annapolis area, she's an Orioles fan. Sure. And so got to kind of take a peek at it. But you're at 500, and yeah, you're 17 and a half games back, but you're used to that. But I mean, you're two, two and a half games out of the wild card, and you're bringing up all this talent. You look at Adley Rutschman coming up just a couple of weeks ago. He's been the guy that they've been looking to the last couple of years, ever since they drafted him in the first round, to kind of spark this offense. And you've got a lot of other young guys that have been coming up the last few weeks. And it only looks like things are going up for the Orioles, which I don't know that anybody has said that in the last (laughs) five years.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch the Orioles. And it's kind of cool knowing that uh, one of my friends from high school actually is in that system. He's playing triple A ball for the Orioles right now in Norfolk, Virginia. And he got called up for a few games this year. And, uh, you know, it's really cool to see how this team has put this this roster together. I mean, a lot of these young guys that they uh, are, you know, calling up, are from that Manny Machado trade and when they got rid of him a few years back. And, and that's huge for them, um, you know, to to see that their trade actually worked out for them and it uh, is like players like Ryan Mountcastle and, and uh, you know, Ryan McKenna, Adley Rushman and like all these guys, uh, even Anthony Santander out of, out of nowhere is leading the team in home runs. So uh, it's just a really young team that's, that's going to go far, I think in the next few years. Yeah,
1: guys like I mean Cedric Mullins was an all-star last year and he's underperforming but still playing well and Austin Hayes has been really good and left. I mean, they they might not be total sellers like we thought probably probably 2 weeks ago. And
2: know? they still have that veteran aspect in the the locker room with Trey Mancini, someone yeah. who's been around and is able to kind of coach these young guys. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, he's a, a fan favorite going through the his his cancer story and his recovery and his comeback. Um, they might have it together. <laughs> I don't, baseball is weird, you know. The I played in high school, and the best team that I played on was the least talented team, but we won more than any of the other teams that I played on, just because we worked together. That's kind of how I feel the Orioles are right now. Is they're not uber talented. They just the
3: pieces just fit. I mean, you and I talked about it when Georgia Southern and South Alabama played both in the regular season and in Montgomery. This was probably the year that Georgia Southern had the best success. I mean, you hosted a regional a couple of weeks ago. You ended up second in the Sun Belt behind Texas State, who had an unbelievable year. But this is the Georgia Southern team that was probably the least individually talented since 2015, 2016. But it's the most successful because this group of guys down in Statesboro were unreal close. And you had guys like Noah Ledford, who's gone up to the Cape and doing really well in the Cape may have been able to play his way into getting drafted, but you had some individual talent, but not a lot. I mean, you lost a Stephen Curry, who was a five-year starter at second base for you. You lost Mason McWhorter, who was the player of the year the previous year. And so you're like, what does this offense look like? But Georgia Southern had the best year that they had with the least amount of talent. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing from Baltimore.
1: Crazy, crazy stuff up in Baltimore. Uh, we've been talking about a little bit of the All Star Game and All Star Week is just around the corner next week, in fact, and the All Star teams are out, which gives people like us that talk about baseball endless possibilities for content. So let's just start with the rosters. We'll get to the folks that didn't make it, but let's get to the folks that did. At first, the starters uh, for the American League: Alejandro Kirk from Toronto, Vlad Jr. Vlad Guerrero Jr. from also. Toronto's at first, Jose Altuve at second, Rafael Devers at third from Boston. Tim Anderson won it short. I think most of us actually last week had picked Bo Bichette to, yep. uh, to take that, but Tim Anderson gets it. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield, Shohei Otani at DH. The fact that he got it over Jordan Alvarez is ridiculous. Uh, the reserves, Jose Trevino makes it as the reserve catcher from the Yankees. Luis uh, Araiz from Minnesota. Couldn't have told you that he was even (laughs) on the roster. (laughs) Uh, Andres Jimenez from Cleveland. Jose Ramirez also from Cleveland. Xander Bogarts, Byron Buxton, Kyle Tucker, George Springer. Andrew Benintendi has been great with the Royals, so he gets it. Julio Rodriguez gets to go as a rookie from the Mariners. He's a lot of fun to watch. Jordan Alvarez makes it, but he's actually hurt, so he's on the roster, won't play. So JD Martinez from Boston replaces him. Uh, starting pitchers Shane McClanahan's been unreal with Tampa Bay. Justin Furlander, Alec uh, Manoa from Toronto, Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani makes it as DH and as pitcher. Uh, Paul Blackburn from Oakland is the A's lone representative. Uh, Martin Perez from Texas. Valdez from Houston, their lefty. Clay Holmes out of the pen for the Yankees. Emmanuel Klaus. Uh Jorge Lopez is the Orioles' lone representative. And Gregory Soto for the Tigers makes it as well. I mean, obviously it's an all-star team, so it's going to be stacked. But there's there's a good number of dudes that aren't on that list or dudes that are not starters that probably should be. Yeah, and
3: there's not a whole lot of guys that Most of the time, especially since they've gone to the fan vote, picking the starters, there's a lot of times where you're looking up and down the roster and you say, okay, this guy shouldn't be an all-star. He's just an all-star because of his name. The only one that really jumps out on the American league side is Tim Anderson. We talked about it last week. That's pitiful, (laughs) but outside of that, there's not really that I'm like, okay, he's not an all-star. He's not an all-star. There's only really one. The one I'm, excited about is Alec Manoa from Toronto just for the sheer fact that when he was at West Virginia and dominating at West Virginia they came to Statesboro and I got to see him live so it's kind of cool for somebody that you got to see and call their game live is uh in the all-star game
2: I think one of the uh the biggest snubs for the all-star game this year is probably Ty France from the Mariners uh dude's just been carrying the offense for Seattle and, and actually has them in contention for a wild card spot and uh he he somehow didn't get in on the not even you you kind of assumed that he wasn't going to get in on the fan vote but you would have thought that he would have been able to to get a, a bench spot but nope Ty France gets snubbed this year
1: yeah that's probably for me the biggest snub on the American league side I mean he was a finalist for first base. Ends up not being on the roster entirely, and I know he's hurt right now. But I mean, the dude hit 306, 10 homers, 45 driven in. Like you said, Joe, he's carrying the Mariners, and I mean, they're playing well right now, like the Orioles are. But I just, I don't get him not going. And who's the uh, Julio Rodriguez? I mean, okay, yeah, he's he's good, but I mean. Julio Rodriguez and Ty France are the Mariners right now. Right. Yeah, I I don't get him getting there. Also, the legacy selection, there was one for each team. We talked about it last week that the commissioner's office can select up to one, potentially more, if they choose to, for each side. Miguel Cabrera is selected as the legacy selection for the American League side. Pretty deserving, right?
2: Yeah, 100%.
3: Yeah. I just don't know. Does Miguel Cabrera have to wear Manfred on the back of his jersey? Since Manfred
1: <laughs> him? I mean, is it like a sponsor patch, like you have it on, like above your number, <laughs> like
2: Walter Payton Man Remember. of the Year for the NFL? <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's look at the National League. The starters are Wilson Contreras at catcher, Paul Goldschmidt at first, Jazz Chisholm Jr. I mean, he he had to be because Ozzy's hurt at second. Uh, Manny Machado at third. Trey Turner beats out Dansby Swanson at short on the National League side. Ronald Acuna was the leading vote-getter, so he gets an outfield spot. Jock Peterson, Mookie Betts rounds out the outfield. Bryce Harper is the voted starter at DH, but he's hurt, so he's not going to obviously play instead William Contreras from the Braves will start at DH and it'll mark the first time since 1992 that two brothers will start on the same team in the All-Star game since uh, Sandy Alomar and Roberto Alomar back in 92. Now Wilson and William Contreras will start from the National League. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
3: I mean, that's a good story. And both of them are deserving. We talked about it. William Contreras, is a catcher but has kind of moved into the dh role to spare travis darno who it's kind of weird if you're the braves both of your catchers are going to the all-star game i don't know if that says more about the (laughs) catching situation in the national league or what it says but to have both of your catchers on the all-star roster that's i don't know that that's happened very often yeah
1: all right, so that's the starters. Here's the reserves. You mentioned there, Colin. Travis Darnode And his 10th season gets to go for the first time from Atlanta. Pete Alonso, CJ Crone from the Rockies. Jeff McNeil got on from the Mets. That was a little bit surprising. He's been up and down this year. Nolan Arenado, I mean, he's been phenomenal. He gets a reserve spot at third. Dansby Swanson does get voted for the first time in his career. Kyle Schwarber's going. Starling Marte from the Mets. Ian Happ from the Cubs. Juan Soto from Washington. And Garrett Cooper is a injury replacement on the uh, on the roster for the National League. He's been the DH for Miami this year, so he gets to go for the first time in his career. The pitchers, Sandy Alcantara from Miami, has been unreal. Um, if it weren't in Los Angeles, I would say he's the leader to to start the All Star game. But because Clayton Kershaw's <laughs> voted, my money would be on him to probably start. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll find out next week. Corbin Burns from Milwaukee. Joe Musgrove from San Diego. Max Freed gets to go from Atlanta. Tony Gonsolin has gone from a long-relief fourth or fifth starter in the rotation to the Dodgers. Now he's the... What, I guess he's the two? It's pretty impressive what he's quickly turned around as. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me this time last year that Tony Gonsolin was
3: an all-star and, like, <laughs> Man, how many guys were hurt? <laughs> but no, I mean, he's and he's answered the call when the Dodgers needed him. We've talked about the injuries that the Dodgers have had, not only on the pitching staff, but on the offense as well. And so you've got Gonsolin, who nobody really knew exactly what you were getting. I mean, he's had his flashes where he's been really good. He's had his flashes where he's been really bad. But so far this year for L.A., he has definitely answered the call and been a huge pickup for the Dodgers.
1: Luis Castillo from the Reds gets to go as their representative. He's not going to be wearing a Reds jersey much longer. Clayton Kershaw goes from the Dodgers. Carlos Rodon um, is an injury replacement, or he's a player replacement, not injury because Josh Hader is going on the bereavement list, so Carlos Rodon will replace him. Edwin Diaz from the Mets has been electric at the back end of games for New York. He gets to go. Uh, Ryan Helsley from St. Louis gets to go. David Bednar is the Pirates representative, and Joe Mantiply is the Diamondbacks representative. Um, again, throw Cattell Marte in there. I don't know who Joe Mantiply is. <laughs> I mean, I know they need another pitcher, but come on. like You got to get somebody from Arizona in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that rule. Like, not every team has an all-star. It's okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, and I think you see that with the bullpen for the – National League, so hopefully, all the starters go two innings apiece and you don't need your bullpen outside of Edwin Diaz. But it uh, I mean, Bednar has had his flashes this year for Pittsburgh, but how good can a reliever be for a Pittsburgh
2: Pirates team? And then, He's coming in with a six run deficit every time,
3: yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess there's no pressure, so that's true, but yeah, this uh. This is not the star-studded
2: bullpen that you would expect from a National League squad. I still think the National League ends up winning this All-Star game just based on the offense that the the National League is coming out with. I just think that their their offense could be a little bit too much for the AL.
1: I, I'm curious because you know, we'll get to the legacy selection for the National League in a second, but I mean, Joe, I lean with you. I think the most on the National League, like just the overall, like. One through nine of a batting order, yeah, I'd probably take the National League, although Devers and Judge and Trout on the other side are obviously really good. But at the same time, overall, one through nine, I think the NL's got a better lineup.
3: Yeah, and I think the NL has a little bit more to offer on the bench, too. And you know this isn't going to be a normal game where everybody's playing nine. You're going about four or five innings, and then it's – turns a scorebook into a third graders coloring book (laughs) but I think the bench is where the NL kind of really takes an upper hand I mean you look at guys like Nolan Arenado, Dansby Swanson, Jeff McNeil, Kyle Schwarber, Starling Marte, Ian Happ, Juan Soto those guys coming off the bench fourth fifth inning whatever it ends up being I think that is a much better lineup than you look at a Jose Ramirez, Xander Bogarts, those guys are good, but I think you got to give the upper hand to the NL on the bench.
1: Yeah. I agree, and including one guy off the bench we haven't talked about yet, the legacy selection is the guy I think they made this legacy thing basically for is Albert Pujols. To give him a, a swan song. They're going to send him to Los Angeles for not only the game, but also the home run derby, which that'll be pretty cool. I'd I guess for like five minutes,
2: then he's going to be gassed. <laughs> yeah. I think what, what do we say over under three home runs? <laughs> yeah, We were texting in, the other day in the minute and a half that they get plus the bonus time based on a home run distance. Yeah. I don't see, ho- I don't see pools lasting over a minute and a half.
3: Yeah, I, since, uh, since he's the legacy selection, does he get two timeouts in the minute and a half? <laughs>
1: Interesting. That should be, that should be put in play. Does he come to home plate with a walker? He's <laughs> got a Camelback with the <laughs> Gatorade in it. <laughs> All right, so that's the that's the MLB All Star rosters. We'll talk about the snubs and the Home Run Derby uh, roster later on in the program. We'll take a, a quick timeout here on Around the Bases, and we'll talk uh, kind of kick some ideas around, just some, some things that actually we have talked about in our group text off air. We'll bring it to to you guys here when we come back on Around the Basis. Did you get a call or message that mentioned Social Security that made you feel threatened or scared? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, press you for personal information, or demand instant payment. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Don't fall for it. Hang up, ignore them. Report this criminal activity to oig.ssa.gov.
0: Welcome back to Around the Bases with JT, Colin, and Joe.
1: Welcome back to Around the Bases. JT Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty talking some baseball for, well, not two hours now. When we start in two hours, we're getting there. We're building to it. Let's uh, let's talk. I, I called it in the, the show doc, questionable questions, because this is either going to be somewhat head-scratching or just complete nonsense. Um, you could be scratching your head because it's nonsense. That's fine.
3: And to preface, these are all questions that have sparked longer conversations they need to (laughs) whether it's when we're on the road together or at a tournament or something but these are definitely questions that there are very strong opinions on both sides
1: of I have some strong opinions about some of these Um, let's start with the first one that this is what gave me the idea for doing the segment was is batting around nine or ten batters coming to the plate in an inning for a team. I I say ten. To me, it's your leadoff guy coming around for a second trip is batting around.
2: So it's after the ninth batter. That's where I. That's where I'm at. I think it's after the ninth batter has already taken his at bat, not when the batter when the ninth batter is up to bat, but after that, so after he gets a hit strikes out after you write down the ninth batter in the scorecard, that's when you have officially batted around. Okay.
3: Uh, Yeah. And see, it's weird because I've been on both sides of this, which doesn't seem like you can be, (laughs) but I always said it was 10 batters until about six months ago. And then I kind of changed to where, I'm kind of with Joe, you bat around whenever you have sent nine guys to the plate. Because what's the difference between the tenth guy and the eleventh guy? Yeah. There's not really a difference. But there's a big difference between the ninth guy and the tenth guy. Right. So the Ninth guy, you have batted around. Okay. Like, if you draw a circle, it's not after you pass the point you start at. It's when you get back to the starting point. And I just pulled that out of my ear. But... <laughs> I was going say my head just exploded. Yeah, I just thought about that, and it makes a lot more sense, and I'm really glad that I'm arguing for 9 instead of 10 now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's after after 9. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Because in, in my mind, it's not necessarily because it has to be 10. It's just that... Because nine guys have completed an at-bat, and so that's where the 10th guy coming to the plate makes that happen.
3: But, but... Now here's a... And we're getting way down a rabbit hole that we probably don't... We, hear. Here we go. So... It's not necessarily when you send nine guys to the plate. It's after nine times of nine guys have completed their time at the plate. So, like, if your ninth guy is at the plate... And somebody gets caught stealing. He doesn't finish his at bat. That's
2: not batting around, right? And if he and if he makes the last out in the inning, I don't think he's batted around.
1: So, so you're saying that an inning you have you have batted around. I'm doing air quotes on Zoom. You can't see this on the podcast. You have batted around if a guy com- the nine hole hitter comes up.
2: And it doesn't end the inning,
1: and it's not the third out. Correct.
3: So then you're saying it has to be ten people coming to the plate?
2: Because if the I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're arguing ourselves now. Yeah. I yeah.
2: Know. That's okay. why this is questionably questions. Yes, question.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't like Colin. Your circle analogy there is kind of. Yeah, I know my circle analogy is like blowing my mind. (laughs) It's one of those things you say
3: without really thinking about what you're saying.
1: You're like, wow, that was good. Man, That was really kind of cool. That's dangerous in our profession. Yeah. No joke. (laughs) All right, let's move on. This is one that, that I actually, I use in my broadcasts is striking out the side. Is it considered striking out the side? If someone reaches base in the inning, I say, no, I say it's striking out the side. If you strike out one, two, three in a row, that's the inning.
2: Yeah, I'd say that it's the three batters due up to start that inning. If you strike out those three batters, then you've struck out the side. I look at the side being the three batters that are due up to start that inning.
3: Yeah, that's normally what I would say, too. Now, I am guilty if, like, you strike out the first two guys a single, then you strike out the fourth guy. I'll say struck out the side in a roundabout way. But okay. striking out the
1: side truly should be one, two, three, strike out, donezo. Yeah, I'd I, I can just consider like if it's one, two, strike out, base hit or walk, whatever, and then third strike out to end the inning, I'd just say struck out three in the frame. Yeah. Okay. So that one's not too bad. This is like this next one is one This that's, is the one.
2: Yeah, this is the one that got me.
1: Well, this is the one for for me that initially I used to really get hung up on. Why is it not a sacrifice fly if a runner tags and advances but doesn't score? So say it's a runner at second, one out, fly ball to right. Runner at second tags and moves to third. That's just a fly out in the scorebook, not a
2: sacrifice. But why? and especially when if that batter was to just bunt the runner over it would be considered a sacrifice but that's what that's what worries me
3: my argument to that is if a guy is hitting behind a runner and like runner at second nobody out you get a ground ball to the right side that's a productive out it gets the guy over to third but it just goes in as a 4-3 ground out could be what he was trying to do the whole time but yeah. that's not a sacrifice
1: 4-3 but then shouldn't an I- play of someone scoring then shouldn't it just be fly out fly out RBI and not sacrifice fly RBI? Huh. Uh. <laughs> this is why I threw this stuff in here because this this one particularly has always stuck with me that like Joe, like you were saying, if you're bunting you're putting the ball in play to move a runner, and most times not score him. So that doesn't count as an at bat. But if a fly ball advances a runner, that does count as an at bat.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I I I don't understand the 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 difference in it. Why does it have to be in the air and leave the infield? And a runner has to score for that to be considered a sacrifice. When you can hit the ball a foot in front of you, and move a runner without scoring, it that counts.
2: They should just get rid of the sacrifice
3: altogether. Well, I get the like sacrifice bunt
1: because yeah. you are
3: sacrificing your at bat for moving a runner or
1: whatever. Correct. So then, oh, no. in, in my mind, they should get rid of the sacrifice fly. That yeah. should not exist. It should just be fly out with RBI. Huh. Logistics.
3: Y- you didn't specify that we were going to have to think. Because <laughs> now you have wrapped my head around a this telephone is, call.
1: This is the most <laughs> intellectual conversation we will have all week. <laughs> That's the sad part about it. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's, let's put a pin in that one. We'll move on to our last one, and this one, this one still sticks with me. Is it RBI or RBIs? RBI. I agree. I agree. I uh,
3: yes. RBI because it's runs batted in. Yes. Yep. Run batted ins. Yes. It's yes. exactly
2: what I have.
1: That was way quicker than I imagined. <laughs> That's exactly what I say. It's it is not runs batted in's. It's yes. already plural. Right. There, you don't throw an s on the end of that. It's That's runs fine. batted That's in. That's fine. He has 51 RBI. He has 51 right. runs batted in. Correct. Not, not 51 runs batted in's. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It
3: made me really happy that you put this on here because <laughs> I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and I think you're one of the first people that agree with me. Hey, yes. Which doesn't
1: really surprise me all that much. That's why we're doing this show, right? Yep. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. So we've we've got we've laid some groundwork there. We'll probably I'm I know there are other questions that will pop up as we go along, but we'll stick with those four for now. Uh, We'll move ahead here. We'll take a look at some college baseball stuff. That's something actually that our head coach at South Alabama brought up to me the other day. So we'll bring it up here and talk about it more when we come back on Around the Bases.
0: Hey. Oh, d- hey, Deb. I thought you were the radon test guys. The who test guys? Didn't you see the papers Sunday? The Surgeon General issued another lung cancer warning. Oh, like the cigarette warning? Yeah. They're saying we have to get our houses tested for radon. I don't smell any radon in my house. Oh, that's because radon is an odorless, colorless, tasteless gas that seeps into your house from underground. Does this story have a happy ending? Yeah. You'll be a lot happier once you get your house tested. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. Now let's return to Around the Bases with J.T. Crabtree, Kyle Lacey, and Joe McNulty.
1: You can follow us on social media, on Twitter, at ATV underscore show. You can like us on Facebook, just search Around the Bases. If you want to be a part of the show each week, you can submit a question, uh, shoot us a tweet or DM or comment or whatever on Twitter or Facebook, and also shoot us an email at... Show at gmail.com, and you can also get um, each weekly episode downloaded straight to your smart device by subscribing, following, adding, whatever, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google, Google Podcasts, not Google Play anymore apparently, and Spotify, so you can get us on all four of those major platforms. Let's dive into some college baseball talk real quick. Um, over here at South Alabama, our head coach for baseball, Mark Calvey, actually brought up the other day that um, NCAA roster sizes coming out of the pandemic were unlimited. You, know, you had guys that were supposed to graduate that aren't now were given an extra year. Different scholarships were, were honored, so cl- the recruiting classes were just all screwed up. In 21, the roster size moved to 40. So we had 20 pitchers, 20 position players. Moving now to 2023, the roster size is going to move back to the, quote, traditional, the pre-pandemic 35-man roster. Now, that's going to cause some problems for some teams that have had a 40-man. The year before that, had an unlimited roster. The classes are screwed up for probably another what, like three years or so, because you're still going to weed dudes out that had a COVID year. So two or three years, you're still going to have these these this issue. There's a a caveat in the rule where if you still have a COVID year left, you don't count against the 35. So you can have some teams that are still floating out there that'll have. 40, 42 guys on a roster, but it's really, by NCAA terms, it's only 35. Well, then, <laughs> you're going to have a trickle down now, too, where you're going to have to get it to 35. Uh, we're going to have 30 pitchers in for fall, so you, you need nine guys in the field unless you've got a bunch of two-way guys. A lot of guys are going to be cut. So you're looking now through january where division 2 especially the jucos it's going to be an embarrassment of riches on a couple of these teams because dudes are going to have to be division 1 players are going to have to find a home to play somewhere
3: yeah it's going to be interesting to see how many teams really get affected by this and i say that because like here at georgia southern allowed 27-man roster in a conference weekend series, yep. I think it is. And there was a lot of times that Georgia Southern didn't fill all 27 spots. You'd have 24, 25 guys. I I know you don't need 40 guys to play a college baseball series. You just don't. But it'll be interesting to see how many – people either raise a stink about this. And I think there's enough guys that are still cause I mean, You look at juniors, seniors, heck, even quote unquote, COVID sophomores. The COVID waiver still affects a good many people. Yeah. And so it's how, and Lord knows what the NCAA is going to look like in 20 minutes, but it's going to be interesting to see how that waiver is kind of applied because If you were a redshirt freshman and redshirting that COVID year, you still get that COVID year. So you have five years. This would be your COVID junior year, I guess.
1: I think. Yeah, I I think that's right.
3: (laughs) Not great at math, but it would be your COVID junior year, but you were going to redshirt anyway. So does that, it should still affect it? But it's going to be interesting to see how everything gets applied and if it's some uh, finagling, some interesting applications across the college baseball world.
2: And I think out of all the positions that's going to hurt the most on a college baseball team, it's got to be the pitchers. I mean, just based on the, the lack of pitchers that are going to have to be cut from each roster. Uh, especially if, if a pitcher goes in and hurts his elbow or hurts his shoulder in the off season, it's just going to make it that much easier for the coach to cut him at when it comes time to, to make the roster down to 35. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if there's some, some big arms that end up, uh, finding them what their way onto the, uh, that kind of college free agent market, the, the transfer portal. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what, how it all ends up playing out.
1: That's a good you know you could have a guy who blows out his arm in the fall go in the portal the portal and sign with a new team for his recovery and he doesn't count to your 35 he's just going to he'll be redshirted essentially or you don't even have to list him as a redshirt really I guess you can just sit him and then come 24 when he's healthy hey look we've got this all of a sudden this ace from another power five that's been here the whole time yeah and if you're not
3: on the 35 man roster it doesn't mean you're just off by yourself I mean you can yeah. be red you can still be with the program you just can't play in games and so there's a lot of times where guys will be around the program but they know they're either red whether it be medical red shirt or just taking a redshirt year and still be around the team, still be on the team without being on the team as far as the NCAA is concerned. And so it'll be interesting to see how everything gets applied and how, especially with the transfer portal now, because now guys aren't, I mean, there are some, but most guys are like redshirt. No, forget that. Mm -hmm. What is that? I'm going to go to some other college that is promising me I'm going to play and then might end up red-shirting there, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> I, you had said that you guys at Georgia Southern sometimes wouldn't fill that 27 necessarily. I know with us here at South Alabama, whatever the max is, we're taking it. it. That bus will be packed with however many guys we are allowed to put on there and take, but like you said too, you know we've got a lot of guys that are red-shirted, medical or not. That still have a role. Like we had a, a red shirt kid that he did our track man every game. That was his role. We've got a, a red another red shirt kid that charts pitches and just sits up in the stands. You, you might not have thirty, or you might have thirty five in the dugout, but you've got forty five kids that serve a role yeah. outside of game day too. So I
3: don't know. Be interesting to see how this, how much it affects different teams.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, the I, I'm sure, and it's going to be like this everywhere, and, and it is in every sport already, where the the bigger schools with the bigger money are going to be able to just stockpile some guys, like we're saying, they can grab an injury guy or or whatever, and just hey, we've got some cash stash for you over here, you're good, or hey, I, I don't know if there's an equivalent of like a blue shirt in baseball, but I mean, could you have something like that where, hey, you come over here but you don't count for this class. You count for next year, and we promise to give you some money next year. I don't know if that's going to be a thing or not.
3: And I think you're going to see with this more people getting cut, and it's going to be more and more every year that you're not on the 35, man. You're going to have a lot of people jumping ship after the fall, which could benefit a team that has struggled in years past. I think in the Sunbelt Conference, a team like ULM, Yeah, you get a bunch of guys that are not making the LSU 35 man, they're not making the, heck, even the La Tech ULM people will come after me for that, but not making the La Tech 35 man, but could play a role for ULM. That could be beneficial for some of the smaller teams.
1: Good old Rustin Louisiana, where Joe and I were offered a drink and either a, what was it, a, a what was it, a mug? Chap. Or Ch- a chalice. It was a no, it was a bowl or a chalice. Yep. What? Yes. We were offered a drink when we went there for football on gosh what seventeen? Seventeen or eighteen. And we were offered a drink in a chalice or a bowl. Which one did you choose? Yes. <laughs> I think I did chalice because I wanted to feel like royalty. Not a boy. One of each. <laughs> All of the above, yes. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick time out here. We will have the rundown when we come back on Around the Base.
0: I've been driving trucks for a long time. And safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge
1: blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely.
0: Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. This is Around the Bases. Now, to take you Around the Bases, here's J.T. Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty.
1: Appreciate you guys tuning in on Episode 3 of Around the Bases. J.T., Colin, and Llama, Uh, Joe McNulty. (laughs)
2: That's me today, Llama. (laughs) You
1: know, like you—you've had two name or two nicknames, rather, Joe. Since uh, you and I've been working together, because you know, Chicago Joe, obviously, because you're from Chicago, right? But then, like recently, we had the Bang and Hot Sauce going. Yep. Um. Uh, now you're Llama.
2: Llama.
1: <laughs> Llama Joe. Llama <laughs> Joe. That's gonna stick. Uh, you know, it, I don't know if how if you guys saw it, but initially on the show doc for this week, I had like. Just a list, not a draft of just our favorite baseball nicknames of all time. And we'll we'll have that one circulate in there at some point. It might even be next week. But um uh, you know Llama Joe might uh might be mixed that's, in there. That's right up there. Yeah, that's my first round pick. <laughs> I'm changing that right now, your your contact info on my phone is perfect. As
3: long as you get the profile picture in this. Yes. You gotta get the contact picture so that shows up
2: whenever <laughs> yep. you-
1: the llama coming in, not even like full, it's not even a full picture of a llama, it's just a head coming in from the corner and a grin with teeth. With teeth. It's a good looking llama. It's terrible. (laughs) Alright, it's time for the rundown. The best.
0: what a play by Machado. The worst. And one in the world. And everything in between. Lord hammers. There. You have got to be kidding me. It's time
1: for the rundown, And we've got a good one on tap this week. I'm, uh, th- this one's going to get feisty, I think. Yeah. It's our all-time home run derby roster with the home run derby coming up next Monday out in Los Angeles. Four rounds. We get four guys to put together a lineup that we think would win a home run derby. It's not based on stats, nothing like that, just who we think could go out and win a home run derby. I have first pick this week.
2: Oh, of course he does. This is the week he gets the first round pick. I haven't had it. I haven't had it yet. Yeah, that wasn't planned.
1: Wasn't I told you I had another topic until this morning? Uh huh. Old bait and switch. All right. D- do you want the first pick then? Do, do we <laughs> want to switch this up? My team will still dominate your team with the with the two.
2: Dang! Shots fired. Oh, I'm fired. Wait, up. So he's
3: assuming that, Jay, uh, that Joe is the three. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I can have the
2: last pick and probably still win. Oh. Nice. Yes. Let's. Oh, I'm fired up. Let's do this, boys. This is a snake draft, right? No. <laughs>
1: We're going one two three one two three one two
2: three. All right, all right, all right. Oh, by the end of this, we're going to be playing
1: MLB the Show (laughs) again. We are. I I still think like we need to go out to either either of our respective fields, plug in a PlayStation, and play some Home Run Derby on the big screen. True. You say that like that wasn't our entire
3: quarantine. What? Have you not heard this? No. This is this is another day. Yeah. Man. The entire COVID quarantine, you know Glenn Ingram yep. and Aaron Soka. Oh yeah. The three of us were over at the football operations building, our golf facility. We'd go hit some golf balls, hang out in the team room and play MLB the show and whatnot on the big screen.
1: <sighs> Joe, we missed an opportunity,
3: well, man. We
2: we did we did quarantine wrong. <laughs>
1: All right, let's do this rundown. Uh, First pick for me, uh, I I have to. As a Mobile native and a Braves fan, I have to go with number 44, Hammer and Hank, for the 101. So Hank Aaron is my first pick. Um, And Colin is pick number two.
3: Uh, Pick number two. Now this is it depends on what the format of our home run derby is. Okay. Is it the three rounds you your head to head and or is it the first two rounds combined?
1: And, no, let's let's say your four dudes, we'd take the home run total of your four dudes. Got it.
3: I'm going Prince Fielder.
1: Prince Fielder. Okay.
3: He had to me one of the most powerful swings, but how he did it over and over again, I will never know. One of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. And he ends up winning it in 2012 in Kansas City, but the only reason he got past the first round, he had five. The only reason he got past the first round is two guys had four, Matt Kemp had one, and Robinson
2: Cano had none.
1: Starting Braves, second baseman, Robinson Cano.
2: (laughs) With a couple hits. Well, you guys just lost this draft, so thanks for allowing me to take the kid, Ken Griffey Jr. Oh. Best swing in baseball, the only three-time Home Run Derby champion, 1994, 1998, and 1999 winner. Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, his just got that classic, beautiful baseball swing. And I mean, come on, he's going to be up there with his hat backwards looking cool as ever.
1: That's a good pick. That's I I somehow didn't even have Ken Griffey on my list. Oh wow! I definitely didn't have Prince Fielder. All right, I've got the next one. Um, I'm going. I, this is a similar pick to Prince Fielder. I'm going Josh Hamilton. <laughs> and Colin is so mad right now. <laughs> God, I don't like you. the The performance he put on at Yankee Stadium. Yes. In, in what? 2008. Yeah. 28 that, in the first round. That is stupid. I'm good. And I know that you. Know, he had his little spurts here and there, and overall, his career wasn't, you know, magical or anything like that. It Wasn't one of the all-time greats, but he's an all-time great in the Derby. So I'm going Josh Hamilton. Man, I really don't like. him. <laughs> he was the one I was going to
3: bust out in like the third round and have both of you go, man. I
1: actually had Josh Hamilton written down as well. Yes. I completely rigged this. <laughs> now I want that first pick back. <laughs> All right, Colin, you're on the clock. Man. David Ortiz. All right. Big Poppy. Pick.
2: My whole draft board. <laughs> 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 All right, my next pick. I've already got one junior, so I got to get another junior. Vlad Junior, Vladimir Guerrero Junior, had 91 home runs in the 2019 Home Run Derby, the most home runs in a single derby, and he didn't even win. He lost to Pete Alonso in the championship round, 22 to 23. But Vlad, Vlad Jr., Ken Griffey Jr., I'm sitting pretty right now. It's pretty solid, man.
1: I forgot that he went uh, he went deep that many times and didn't win. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. All right. Well, you mentioned my next guy is Pete Alonso. He's back-to-back defending Derby champ. Probably win again this year, to be honest. He's in it again at. He's figured it out. So, um, although I did like Ronald Acuna's uh, response when he was asked, "Hey, you know, do you have you are you going to ask for any tips in the Home Run Derby?" He said, "I don't need tips. You hit homers." <laughs> <laughs> like, That's perfect. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I'm going Pete Alonso as my third pick. All right, my third pick. Since you
3: stole Josh Hamilton from me. <laughs> I'm going to go the guy that ended up winning that derby in Justin Morneau. Okay. He ended up having, what, 13 less home runs on the day than Josh <laughs> Hamilton, <laughs> but ended up winning it. Always a big Justin Morneau guy when he was in Minnesota. Just loved his swing.
2: That's my that's my pick. All right. All right. I'm going to go with a back-to-back two-time home run derby winner Ioannis Cespedes he won 2013 and 2014 he had 32 home runs in the 2013 derby and then 28 in 2014 so Cespedes is going to be my next pick I would uh, definitely be lying if
1: I didn't say I knew how to spell Ioannis I think you got it I was about to say you're close enough it's because I googled it (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're through three of our four rounds. Let's recap real quick. I have Hank Aaron, Josh Hamilton, and Pete Alonzo. Colin has Prince Fielder, David Ortiz, Justin Morneau. Joe has Ken Griffey Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and UNA Cespedes. I'm uh, starting off the last round. Um... I don't. I would assume this guy's been in a derby before. Um, I'm going with Jim Tome. Um, just the dude just hits everything hard. It's if if we're doing the derby in a short porch and right field, he's gonna hit a he's gonna hit a hundred of them. So uh, I'll round out my lineup with Jim Tome. I'm
3: going to round mine out with somebody that I was a really big fan of in, in his playing days. and I think he's just gone into retirement. But Todd Frazier. Okay. In three different home run derbies. Has the third most home runs hit in the derbies. Pete Alonzo, of course, leads the way. Then Frazier is third. Tied with Vladdy Jr., but yeah, Todd Frazier,
2: the Todd father. The Todd father. All right, so my last one is where I struggled because most of the guys that I had were already picked, but there was one that I actually had saved for the end. That's Ryan Howard. Never, He he didn't win a home run derby, but he averaged – one home run every 17 plate appearances, and in the MLB, that's impressive. And he did that over a 13-year career. So Ryan Howard, first baseman from the Phillies. And if you take his career stats
1: against the Braves, it's like
2: one every four career at bats. True, he had a homer.
1: Good grief, he killed the Braves. Good night. That's a good pick, man. That's the that's the dude who outed Jim Tomei out of out of Philly. Yep. All right, so uh, our teams, our home run derby lineups are, I have Hank Aaron, Josh Hamilton, Pete Alonzo, and Jim Tomei. Colin, you've got Prince Fielder, David Ortiz, Justin Morneau, and Todd Frazier. Joe, you have Ken Griffey Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Yuenas Cespedes, and Ryan Howard. That's stout, guys. That's pretty good. Is there is there anybody that you guys had on your list you didn't get to? Uh Bobby Abreu a yeah. little bit. I thought
3: about Albert
2: him. Albert Pujols. Okay. But but obviously back in the day Albert Pujols <laughs> not not today's Albert Pujols.
1: I um he wasn't a a derby participant, but a guy that I thought would always be good in a derby was Evan Gaddis. yes like I always thought that he would just absolutely mash in a derby you know who I think would be
3: and we're going to talk about him in the all-star snubs but I think Austin Riley would be really yeah. good in a home run derby yeah I agree and no
1: one picked Barry Bonds hmm sucks
2: yeah hmm. or Sammy Sosa Ooh, wow I would never I would never pick a cub.
1: I <laughs> forgot about slamming Sammy. Mark McGuire. Martin didn't McGuire. McKenna. I mean, shoot. I mean chicks dig the long ball. Greg <laughs> <Craig> Maddox. Greg <laughs> Maddox? Tom Glavin. <laughs> that should be another one. A
3: pitcher
2: home <laughs> run derby. Clayton Mike Kershaw. Mike Hampton. <laughs> Give me No first round pick on that one. <laughs> I'll take Shohei Otani. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: uh, who uh, his name Micah Owings? Yeah, he he could hit. Um, shoot, Max Freed last year. <laughs> My man hit over three hundred. I mean, the first round pick's
3: got to be uh, Bartolo Colon, right? Oh, it's got true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, that is this week's rundown. We'll uh we'll take a timeout. Oh man, we're going from the rundown to Collins Corner this week. <laughs> Let's Uh-oh. go. We'll have uh have Collins Corner when we come back on around the Basis.
2: The life of every child is precious. If you care for a child or teenager with a disability and have limited income and resources, they may qualify for monthly cash payments through the Supplemental Security Income program or SSI. Call Social Security at one eight hundred seven seven two. 1213 1, or visit ssa.gov/ssi kids to learn more. That's ssa.gov/ssi kids. Message produced by Social Security at US taxpayer expense.
0: Shut your mouth and listen up.
2: Will you shut up? Are
0: you listening to me? And stay off as long. This is Colin's Corner on around the bases with JT Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty.
3: Back into Around the Bases, episode number three. Colin Lacey alongside JT Crabtree, Joe McNulty, also known as Joe the Llama. (laughs) But we are in to the segment of the podcast that everybody either loves or hates, depending on which side you're on. Or loves to hate. Yeah, there you go. But Colin's cornered. So this week, it's not necessarily a rant as much as... It's something that I think a lot of people are going to agree with, but, and it kind of strikes more near and dear to the three of us being that we've all been affiliated with college baseball. And that's the third assistant coach for college baseball. This has been a huge topic of conversation, especially the last few years in college baseball. But for those that don't know, you're only allowed two paid assistants on a college baseball staff. Now, you can have a volunteer assistant, but they are unpaid. They're not allowed to recruit. And more often than not, it's a younger guy that's just getting into coaching. And the only way they get any kind of income is based off of camps and different things like that in the summer. But since you only have two paid full time assistants, college college baseball has the highest player to coach ratio in all of college athletics and I don't understand why because it was brought up the last time it was most recently denied was 2019 by the NCAA of being able to allow even just a third full-time assistant coach and There are programs that get around it in various different ways. You can have director of player personnel and director of player development. You can come up with all kinds of fancy titles that are off field, but they can't recruit technically not supposed to be on the field coaching. The volunteer assistant can coach on the field, but again, he can't go out and recruit and Tim Corbin, who's, one of the most respective head coaches in college baseball over at Vanderbilt. He put it in writing and did it really well. And so I'm going to read, and I'm not one to take a sermon and <laughs> go into reading scripture and all that on podcasts, but Corbin says, picture this, I'm 32 years old, I'm married, I have a child, I leave home at 7.30 every morning. I come back at 8 or 9 every night. I do it Sunday through Sunday. I don't get paid. I don't get compensated. My wife stays at home with the baby and day, and can't afford daycare. And God forbid she he has to go to daycare, get sick. I don't have benefits, so I can't pay for that. Can't get a ticket to a football game. Can't get a ticket to a basketball game. Can't eat with a recruit. Why? I'm a volunteer. I stay all year. I work. I've got to go off the money in the summer I work camps why I can't recruit I'm a volunteer I make camp money I come home put stress on my wife can't have another child cost money to have children can't do it I'm a volunteer goes on to say it's the most short-sighted thinking aspect of our game that we've been a part of we lose good people to other jobs and other sports they leave baseball because they can't afford to stay in it why hasn't it been able to change why hasn't have been turned over in the last couple of years is really, really sinful. It's dehumanizing in so many different ways. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you don't need another coach, blah, blah, blah. You need people around these programs, especially, I mean, we talked about it last week. LSU is paying their pitching coach three-quarters of a million dollars. So money is not the issue. And people will say, that the rich are going to get richer and those that don't are going to get farther down the totem pole. It's already happening. It's just a matter of whether it's legal or not. I mean, you've got 13 people on a staff in a college baseball and yeah, you can call them a director of player personnel and all these other fancy titles. They're doing the same thing. It's just not what you're able to do. And so why there's not at least three and why there's a limit on the number of assistant coaches I don't get. I think that's extremely dumb, especially the way college baseball is. You only have eleven point seven scholarships anyway. And that's changed a little bit with COVID and that's a whole nother rant we can get on. But why in softball the same way? Why do you limit the number of assistants that you can have
1: when I, I just don't get it? I, I'm with you, man. Like, I I don't understand how – take basketball. Has three full-time assistants for a roster of 15 where baseball has a right now 35-man roster but can only have two. I... And unless you're in a situation where, like, you have some other business away from baseball or – your spouse has a good setup or or something, or you're a younger guy that's just trying to break into the business and your family's helping you out. Those opportunities are so, so limited and boxed into what they can do. I, I don't understand why it keeps getting struck down when they try and change the rules. I don't get it.
2: And you look at it from, like, on a, from, you know, football. They've got a a coach for the offensive line, for the defensive line, for the defensive backs, for the linebackers, for the quarterback. Baseball doesn't have, they've got a pitching coach and a head coach and an assistant coach. That's really about it. And most of the time, your assistant coach is your pitching coach. So, I I mean, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, why baseball is kind of getting the short end of the stick in this one.
3: And the whole fact that, you can't have your volunteer out recruiting. I didn't know that until I started diving into this. I mean, I knew it, but it didn't put two and two together. Yeah. But if you're having young guys go out and be the volunteers and, oh, you've got to earn your stripes and be the volunteer. Well, if you can't recruit, you're not learning how to do 50%, if not more,
1: the job of being an assistant coach in college baseball. Like the, the connotation of volunteer comes with learning about the profession, and right. you can't do a major portion, like an entire half of the job, just because you have that title of volunteer. It's absurd.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I get it that the volunteer assistant coach was kind of created a long time ago, and it's kind of been what. A GA is now. Yeah. And I get it. If GAs can't go out recruiting, I get that. But your volunteer, that's his job is to be an assistant coach. He's not getting paid. Let him go out and recruit. And you can make the argument again of the rich are going to get richer and the ones that don't have as much are going to fall further down the totem pole. But they're already doing it in this model because. All they're doing is basing their money off of camps. You can't tell me that even here in the state of Georgia, Georgia and Georgia Tech are not making more money off of camps than what Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Mercer, teams like that. You can't tell me they're not making more money off of camps than the the smaller schools anyway. Yeah. So they're already getting paid more. I don't understand the difference.
1: Uh, what's What I don't understand as well is – The whole, you can't recruit. I'm assuming that, like, that doesn't apply for a visit. Like, you can't bring a kid to your facility and say, hey, coach, go hide in your office. Don't come out for the next hour and a half. We've got a kid coming here. You can't talk to him. Yeah. So what is the difference between them sitting here saying, you know, doing the visit, talking with them, and – sitting there watching Synergy or Huddle or whatever of a kid's film. That's recruiting, and I'm sure some programs are doing that, but like, what difference does it make if he's sitting there flipping through film, watching a guy, and then he comes on campus, and as the volunteer you talk to him, then what difference does it make? At that point, you're doing the recruiting job. Especially like we talked about, and
3: there's two different ways of thinking about a volunteer in the framework of college baseball right now. It's either a young guy that's just getting into coaching, probably fresh out of school, or it's a guy that has gone on to a pretty lengthy professional career and is coming back getting into coaching where they don't need the money. Louisiana's done that a couple of different times with a few folks. South oh, yeah. Alabama's done
1: it. Yeah, times. Alan Lucky's the the volunteer here, and wait, Lucky
3: was the volunteer?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's. I mean, we don't list him on the roster as volunteer. They're just all assistants because Mark Calvey's thing is you're doing just as much work as everybody else. You shouldn't have the volunteer title. But yeah, Alan Lucky's the volunteer. But you look at for the recruiting
3: purpose wouldn't you want the younger guy that is just out of these kids shoes to be able to tell them more of what they're coming into and nine times out of ten especially if it's a transfer guy there's a chance that your volunteer has either played with or against the guy you're trying to recruit yeah is he not and again i know he's part of the conversation and all of that but I I don't get
1: it. I mean, you look at a situation like you guys last year. Jeff Cordy, we we've, we've got a similar thing where your volunteer last year was Jeff Cordy. He was actually our GA the year before that. We don't get you've our got
3: a nice feeder system of y'all's <laughs> GA volunteer.
1: <laughs> yeah, because now you've got Woff back over there. <laughs> oh, great,
3: and uh, those are two perfect examples. Yeah, of how you can grow through a volunteer. Cody Wofford, now the hitting coach with Georgia Southern, was the volunteer coach for us for two years. One of the best assistant coaches, young assistant coaches in college baseball right now, had gone to Eastern Kentucky for a couple of years before coming back when Alan Beck went to be the head coach at Western Carolina. Last year we had Jeff Cordy, who was a GA for you guys. I'm telling you, this guy is going to be one of the best catching coaches and catching instructors in college baseball, or even professional baseball, because I think he could make the jump into professional baseball. But he was the volunteer assistant for Georgia Southern last year. Now he's the full-time hitting coach at Western Carolina when Alan Beck took him to Culloway with him. That's what this is supposed to do, but why are they not assistants? Because the third assistant, I mean, you look at basketball, your third assistant is probably – the young guy that's just getting into the business, if not just came up from a Dobo status or something like that, yep. why does he have to be a volunteer and why can't he recruit?
1: Yeah. Another connection there, Colin uh, Woff at EKU was working for our former hitting coach, Chris Prothro. Huh. Pro is now the head coach at EKU. What's so that? look at that little triangle going.
3: Hey, you know. We're not supposed to like you on the baseball time and some pretty
1: good people to us. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's good stuff, man. That's I mean, like you say, the, the three of us working in college athletics, so that's that's right up our alley and something that hits right at home for, for us. I don't know if for a lot of folks that'll that'll be listening in. It makes uh makes a lot of sense.
3: And I think it's more so and in- Again, not to say it's the high and mighty of college baseball and working with the baseball program, but when you get to know these folks, when you get to know, and you're with from February until May, hopefully June, Mm -hmm. you're with the baseball team more than you're with your family. I see. Last year, our volunteer assistant was Jeff Cordy. I probably saw Jeff more than I saw my wife between February and June. I mean, it's just the way the business is. Yeah. And so when you get to know these people, know them on a personal level, it even lights the fire even more. Of it, this is dumb. Yeah. Like this makes no
1: sense. Yep. Our volunteer Alan Lucky was best guys that I know. Yeah. I mean, they're good folks. Just getting the short end of the stick, man. Good stuff, man. That's uh, yeah, we can definitely get behind that. We'll uh we'll take a timeout. We'll go uh, we'll switch back to Major League Baseball when we come back on around the Bases. If
2: you','ll you
1: Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago.
2: Really?
0: Yeah,
1: Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, No, not really. Bill. If we don't tell them what we
2: expect and why they shouldn't drink. How are they going to know?
1: Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
0: Welcome back to Around the Bases with JT, Colin and Joe.
1: You can catch a new episode each week on Google, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify as well. You can interact with the show each week on social media on Twitter at ATB underscore show. Uh, shoot us an email atbradioshow at gmail dot com, and uh, also be sure to like us on Facebook as well. We're on all those platforms. Be sure to never miss anything about around the bases, guys. Let's switch back to uh, Major League Baseball and the All Star Week. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk yet about some of the guys that didn't get selected to the All Star. We talked a little bit about Ty France. That was a big one. Uh, for for us down here regionally, Austin Riley not going from the Braves is absurd. And he had another home run again today in their day game against the Mets. Um, Joe, for you as a Cardinals fan, Tommy Edmond not going is a, is a pretty big snub as well. He's been really, really good since he moved to short.
2: You know, yes, it's a snub, but it's a little bit. I'm okay with it only because of the shortstops that got in for the National League, it being Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson. It's two guys that are deserving of all-star spots. Now, Tommy Edmond playing multiple positions for the Cardinals, he probably could have been the best second baseman on either the American League or the National League side. But because he's playing more shortstop for the Cardinals, that's why he fell under that position. Some other guys.
1: Yeah. yeah. This
3: whole Austin Riley not in thing, and it made me laugh really hard that he was named NL Player of the Month the same day it was announced that he didn't get the All-Star nod. And, I mean, you go back to kind of what you were talking about, Joe, with the different shortstops that are in the National League. I mean, Manny Machado, he's had a good year, 305 average, 51 RBIs. But Austin Riley has been one of the best players in this league, especially for the last month, month and a half. He's been huge for the Braves, 25 RBIs already, and we're sitting here on July 13th. And he's somebody that he's a big part of the power for the Braves, but he's not somebody that neglects the average and neglects the getting on base and driving people in conventionally by just trying to hit bombs. He is somebody that I've been a huge fan of since he came up. And I know the first couple of years weren't necessarily pretty in the big leagues, but once he stopped swinging at sliders low and away, it's a completely different ball game for him. He is somebody that I think is going to have a huge impact for the Braves, hopefully for a long time as a Braves fan, but I, I don't get it. And especially when it first came out, I'm like, all right, this is, ridiculous that he's not on the roster but there will be people drop out and he'll be one of the first added yeah but we're sitting here what five days away six days away from the all-star game and still no movement so i I don't get it yeah
1: that i'm looking at cj crone goes from the from the rockies and he's their lone pick and okay yeah his overall numbers Good this year, 292, 20 bombs, 67 homers. But he plays in Colorado. And you look at his splits at home, 15 of his 20 homers are at home. 51 of his total 67 RBIs are at home. He's hitting three forty seven at home. You look at the road, five homers, only 16 RBIs on the road. He's hitting two twenty nine on the road it's course field inflating stats is a thing yep. and and i know that okay yeah he's having a good year but you can't tell me that crone again this goes back to every team needs a representative you can't tell me that cj crone deserves it more than a guy like austin riley or tommy edman or there's sarah brian reynolds from the pirates has been good i mean he's been better than C.J. Krohn, I feel like. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Or, like, Dylan Cease from the White Sox not going. He's third in the majors in strikeouts. How is he not there? Because the White Sox are bad. Yeah. And everyone hates Tony Larusa right now, which is warranted because he's done right, some yeah. horrible things. Did you guys see the other day on an 0-1 count he intentionally walked Jose Ramirez? Yep. That's fantastic. They threw one pitch and he said, yeah, no, never mind. And the fact that Tim Anderson is the White Sox representative and not Cease, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Anderson's been hurt, and he still gets to go. As a starter, he's going.
3: But it, that's what you're going to get whenever you have exclusively fan vote for the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, fan vote has been a part of it for a long time, but it hasn't been exclusively fan vote. And so. And we talked about it last week, how much of a fan I am of the legacy selection by Rob Manfred and the commissioner. And I would love to see where, okay, you can have the fan vote as the starters or whatever. And then once you get through, everybody has their representative Have the managers. Like at this point, yeah, the managers get to get to pick or get to manage the game. They get to be a part of the all star game and it's the two coaching staffs from the World Series. But it seems like there was a lot more incentive. And I know you don't need an incentive to coach the or manage the all star game. But put it like they've earned that be able to put your input in because outside of this, outside of writing the lineup card, which is already chosen for you. Yeah. Or put it to the guys that are already on the team, have them pick it. Like you've got to put more emphasis on people that are in it, that are a part of it already. There's got to be more of a input from those folks. Cause obviously they're, the baseball people around town.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I think that the game holds too much weight to allow it to be a fan vote with the all-star game, giving home field advantage for the fall classic, the world series. I think it just holds too much weight. Now, you know, uh, like the NBA, they do a fan vote and I think it works great for the NBA because it's more just entertainment for the fans. That's what the fans want. They just want to see their favorite players play. But with the MLB, I think it needs to be a player and a coach vote only Don't even give the fans one vote for one player at the end. And I think that'd be it because it just with something, all these teams know what the all-star game is, is being played for. And that's for home field advantage when it comes to October and with it actually meaning something for an all-star game, I think it needs to be the players choosing the best teams available.
1: Yeah. I I think that, The fans, I mean, I get it. It's the fans' favorites and whatnot, and the fans know the best in baseball. No, they they clearly don't.
3: don't. (laughs) They just elected Tim Anderson to be the starting shortstop. No, they don't.
1: Alejandro Kirk is having a good year, but he's not the best catcher in the American League. Oh,
3: but you're going to get the big markets that, like, if Mike Trout is playing for... I don't know, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't know that he's necessarily yeah. in. I mean, I again, we talked about it last week. I think he should be in. But if Tim Anderson is playing for
1: Baltimore. Baltimore, he's not in. Right. Shouldn't be in. Yeah. Or even the guy you were talking about earlier, Colin, Alec Manoa. I mean, if he's at Tampa Bay, nobody's right. heard of him before. No. It's – yeah, I I I think because of it, and I had written it on the uh the the show doc as well. Like does this does the Midsummer Classic even mean as much as it used to? Like I, I don't feel like it does. I feel like it's just watered down. I, I know I hardly I, I'll watch the home run derby. I'll turn on the All Star game and have it on the background, but I'm not gonna sit there and watch every pitch.
3: I've always loved the All-Star game. I love everything about it. I don't know what it is. I love it all. <laughs> I sit there and I will watch the celebrity softball game. Yep. Every pitch.
2: I record it every year.
3: Uh, yep, I love it. I love all of it. Now the Home Run Derby is probably what I am least excited about. But like the All-Star game, I love it. But I agree with you. It is extremely watered down and does not mean as much as it did back when we were growing up. And I don't know if it's that this is going to sound extremely old man but we're in different <laughs> stages of life. Yeah. But like it doesn't like before it seemed like you were named an all-star. That's, that's pretty high stuff. Even if you were just a one-time all-star, yeah, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Now it means you play for a big market team
2: and our- you're a fan favorite.
3: I mean, you're flashy. Like Tim Anderson, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to look this up. Who are the one-time All-Stars back when it was player and coaching staffs picking the All-Star teams? Who are one-time All-Stars that are extremely more deserving than Tim Anderson? And I know I'm picking on Tim Anderson, but it's somebody like him. And Alejandro Kirk, same idea. Yeah. Kirk probably deserves it this year. Is he a starter? I don't think so. But we talked about how weak the catching ballot was, and that's what it is. The shortstop challenge in the AL is not weak. Yeah, but you picked the weakest shortstop.
1: <laughs> I don't get it, man. I I don't know the uh the home run derby lineup is going to feature eight people and they have not announced all eight yet. We've got six of the eight. Uh Pete Alonso, Ronald Acuña Jr., Albert Pujols who we talked about earlier, Juan Soto's back in it. Kyle Schwarber's in there. I think he'll do pretty darn good. Uh the most recent one announced is Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners, the rookie. Um that should be pretty fun to see how a rookie does. I would hope that Giancarlo Stanton's going to be in there just so he can hit balls out of Dodger Stadium like he did when he was with the Marlins all those years ago. So you're looking at one more National League? No, well, no, it's not even even. It's, I don't think it matters. No. I would say Rodriguez is the only AL guy. So Vlad Jr. again? Otani? I know that I get Otani because it would be in Los Angeles, and I know it's not the the Angels, it's at the Dodgers, but still the same town. I mean, what do you guys think of the field so far?
2: A lot weaker than last year's field, that's for sure. I mean, last year's field, you had Cedric Mullins, and you had uh, uh, Trevor Story, and you had... You know, Vlad Jr., um, Otani last year. I just think that this year it's it's just kind of meh. I don't really see any name that sticks out at me right off the bat. I just think it's set up for Pete Alonzo to three-peat at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like Schwarber. I've been a Schwarber fan ever since we saw him play at J.I. Clement Stadium back when he was a catcher for Indiana. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, he hit a ball very far, (laughs) Um, but I've been a big Schwarber fan, but I'm with you, Joe, like looking through, and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody on the all-star roster, which is completely asinine to me, but looking through the roster, I mean, Jordan Alvarez would make sense, but he's hurt. There's not really all that many that are. You're jumping off the page like, okay, this guy needs to do it.
2: The only person I could think of off the top of my head would be Aaron Judge.
1: Yeah. I, I want to see Stanton get in there, just because I, I think he could hit some absolute. I mean, he already hits tanks. Yeah. And you know, seeing him hit you know those line drive backspinning homers that he's got too. I, I'd I'd like to see. I think that would be entertaining. Uh. I'm looking at just the home run leaders in baseball overall. Nobody stands out as, oh, yeah, we got to get him in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to look at the three starting outfielders for the AL and Otani. And between those four, between Judge, Trout, Stanton, and Otani, those four are going to make up the final two. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, Unless you throw a Jock Peterson in there.
1: I mean, I, I could see that being a former Dodger coming back, but now he, he's going to have well, a giant... Well, is a former Dodger. <laughs> That's true. That's true for the very limited time. Uh, wearing 55, which was just bizarre. Just looking at, like, Russell Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, all right. Hey, we'll take a quick time out here. Joe's Hot Sauce... Is oh on deck. Oh man, you dropped steroids on us last week, bringing them <laughs> back. So you've got quite the follow up, my man. <laughs> that, that I do. <laughs> all right, we'll have Joe's hot sauce when we come back on around the basis. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snip out. Just get over it. We've all
2: heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head, it can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically. Without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text stress to 211 one to find a solution. You
0: gotta be baiting me. What is he talking about? Oh, baby, give him the hot sauce. That is totally absurd. This is Joe's hot sauce.
2: Welcome back to episode three of Around the Bases, JT Crabtree, Colin Laceley, and me, Joe Lama, Back with another ep- episode of Joe's Hot Sauce, and oh man, we got a good one on tap today. Little League Baseball is ruining the game of baseball for the younger generation. And let me just kind of give you a little, you know, scenario to start things off. So let's say you're a little league baseball coach, and your leadoff hitter gets on first base. The first thing you do, you tell him to steal second base. Second thing you do, you tell him to steal third base. That player who's batting second does—he never learns how to bunt a baseball because you didn't teach him early on in his career. It's ruining the game because the coaches are. At a must win mindset, every single tournament, every single at bat that these coaches with these 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kids, they're just, they have this must win mindset and it's not right for the players. They're not learning the game of baseball the way it actually is meant to be played. And, you know, like I said earlier, you've got kids who will go and steal second, steal third, but you don't have anybody that's learning how to bunt the baseball. You have catchers who aren't necessarily able to throw that runner out, but they're not all, they're also not being taught how to properly get up out of their stance and throw and throw the runner out at second base or at third base. Um, and, and then you look at it on the opposite side for pitching. I mean, you've got kids as young as 11, 12, 13 that are starting to throw curve balls and they're throwing their shoulders out by the time, you know, they're 11 or 12 or they're, you know, 11 or 12 years down the line when they're, you know, in their early twenties. And it's just not healthy for the long-term baseball player um, as far as distance goes. I mean, you look at the the starting pitcher in today's day and age with baseball. They're only going five or six innings. And I think it's partially because of how much kids are throwing nowadays in Little League baseball. Um, You know, when you're pitching 70 innings in two weeks as a 13-year-old kid because he's got two tournaments, that's taxing on an arm. And, you know, it's partially on the coaches, but it's also the tournaments, the tournament directors that are constantly putting on these tournaments and, uh, you know, acting like they are this uh, end-all, be-all for Little League Baseball. Um, I just think it's bad for the game. I think travel ball kind of ruined it for everybody. Um, You know, if you had even uh, Little League World Series, I think is probably one of the only tournaments that is actually still a – somewhat competitive league where it's not necessarily travel ball because it's all in-house. You're taking your in-house team and just moving up through the ranks as you get further on into the little league world series. Um, But you have all these separate travel balls that uh, just really are are ruining the game.
3: Joe, I don't know that I've ever agreed with anybody as much as I agree with you right now. (laughs) Like. People that know me know this is one of my pet peeves and it was probably going to be and maybe still will be a Collins corner down the road. Yeah. But I cannot stand travel ball. There's ai am not going to call them out even though as much as I want to. There is a very predominant travel ball program that is nationally known up in the North Atlanta area that is about 10 miles away or about 10 minutes away from my house growing up. that's about as far away as people need to stay from travel baseball. The fact that you talk about not teaching and everybody talks about, Oh, you need to be on a pitch count now. And no, you don't. The problem with people throwing out their arms is not, it's the number of innings they're throwing, but it's also not knowing how to take care of your arm. It's not throwing enough on the days that you're not pitching. You have to be able to throw 110 miles an hour and have a curveball that's nasty where that's going to develop if you take care of your arm. But if you throw 100 miles an hour in high school, you may not be throwing for very much longer. And then it's not going to matter what you threw when you were 12. But, like, you've got to throw every day in order to get your arm conditioned. And that's why you're seeing... Guys, and it's trickling up into the big leagues now where you're not seeing guys be able to go more than five, maybe six. I mean, you look at a guy like the Braves have Spencer Strider. He's on a innings limit. He's throwing 100 miles an hour at the top of the zone with a wicked slider at 87 miles an hour. But he's the one going deepest into the ball game for the Braves. So you get somebody that has been able to take care of their arm not having to throw 100 innings, but being able to take care of their arm and learn the game of baseball and learn how to pitch instead of just learning how to throw. And then, like you said, not learning how to play the game, not learning how to bun a guy over. It's just about individual stats. And that's the problem with travel baseball and it's trickling down to all levels of youth baseball. You care more about the individual rather than teaching the individual individual how to play the team game
2: yep sorry i didn't mean to hijack those hot sauce (laughs) oh no yeah i mean i with that one yeah and and i mean like i'm sure we've all kind of you know as growing up through little league baseball have kind of you know figured this out most of these coaches they put their worst player in right field you can't do that in the mlb you can't do that in college baseball right field is, is, is just as important as left field but in Little League, it just ingrains in these players' head that the right fielder is your worst player on the team. And, and and that's another thing that I don't like.
3: You get all these coaches that watch three YouTube videos and then think they're Brian Snicker.
2: Well, I, you know, and you say that. I don't know if I ever had a youth baseball coach that wasn't a minor league player at some point in their life. And they say that, but I don't believe a single word that they said. You know, as I grew up, I've come to realize that not a single one of them actually played minor league baseball.
1: Shots fired at uh, Joe's little league coach. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. (laughs) I hope he does. hope he does, too. You're not up in Chicago anymore. That's true. (laughs) All right. Good stuff, man. I I agree. Travel travel ball is a racket. It's, it's not what it should be at all. It's nowhere close. All right. Well, uh, we've got one more segment on tap, and uh, we'll wrap up Episode 3 of Around the Bases when we come back. You can join in the mission to remember our fallen heroes, honor those who currently serve in their families, and teach younger generations about the value of freedom. A $15 donation to Wreaths Across America sponsors a fresh balsam remembrance wreath, These wreaths have become a symbol of America's respect for those who have served and no longer walk with us. Sponsor a wreath today. Visit wreathsacrossamerica.org or call 877-385-9504.
0: Money's worth! Rounding third and heading home. This is the home stretch.
1: Wrapping up episode three of Around the Bases here. JT Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty. The home stretch here. We just, uh, where we typically just kind of throw a little bit together some baseball, some, some good, mostly bad, a lot of weird. No prostate. Last week was a lot of weird. We went off the rails last week, man. Um, it only took it, two episodes, so kind <laughs> long. I thought we lost. Let's uh, let's start off with the minors. Um, God, this is stupid. <laughs> so, Major League Baseball is going to test out a new rule in the minors, specifically single A Florida State League. Um, it's they're going to put it into effect July twenty second where they are creating a pie-slice-shaped region behind the second base bag where no infielder can play. So you can do the shift where you put three guys on the left, three guys on the right, but you can't play directly behind the second base bag. The aim of this is to increase base hits but if you have more base hits you have more guys on base which means more pickoff throws which means longer innings longer at bats which kills the pace of play which goes exactly against what rob manfred is trying to do robert pick aside dude
3: like no 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 this is his whole thing <sighs> he has two major initiatives that he's been trying to push since he became commissioner increase offense and increase pace of play What he doesn't realize is if he <laughs> accomplishes one he kills the other the two do not go together no you can't have a 14 to 8 game in 215 it's not <laughs> possible D-
1: this ticked me off so bad when i'm like it, the headline says mlb to test pie slice and minors with eye towards increasing base hits.
0: What?
2: My real question, my first question is, what pizza company's gonna get the first sponsorship on that (laughs) pie slice? You're
1: gonna have like a Papa John's
2: chalk painted behind the second base bag. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Then they're gonna change the seventh inning stretch to buy me some peanuts and pizza pie. My thing with this,
3: so it's got the chalk lines and I don't know if the picture that's on the story was photoshopped or if they've tried this somewhere else, but you essentially take the front two edges of the base and extend them out towards the foul lines. So one, it doesn't say anything about, and people have tinkered with the rule of you can't shift. So you can't have anybody on
1: the outfield grass. That's
3: really dumb.
1: If you don't want to get outs, then hit the ball the other way. Right. And so my question
3: is, they didn't say anything about not being able to not be on the outfield grass. So can somebody just like tiptoe on the outfield grass and stand right behind? Because that's what I would do. (laughs) That's what I would do just to show how stupid this is. You put somebody with their toes on the outfield grass right in the middle of that pizza slice.
1: So you can't play in the field. And if the rule goes in where, like, you have to have four guys on the infield, you can't play behind it. But nothing's stopping you from playing in front of the second base bag. Right. So or it's
3: you can still put three on the left side. Yes. If you're a pull hitter, you're not hitting it up the middle. <laughs> no. So eventually, you're going to get to, okay, on this guy, somebody's going to run out there with a spray paint can Make a big circle here. You can't
1: stand here. We're going to play a game of Twister on the infield. It's going to be like soccer where the, the officials have the can of spray to like line out the, the wall for a free kick. And that's another thing.
3: Who's enforcing this? Like the umpires, okay, you get into minor league ball, you have three of them. Well, one of them is at home plate. He's got enough to worry about, worrying about pitches. The guy at first is looking at the pitcher, watching for a balk, and then he's also watching the hitter for a check swing. If there's somebody in the field and there's a runner on base, he's standing in front of second base. What's he turning around to make sure there's nobody standing in the
2: restricted area? Well, what happens if you are standing in the restricted area? Uh, uh, what's what's the, the repercussions? It, that's a good
3: point, too. Do you get like Adrian Beltrade dumped if you don't move.
2: You get sent to the (laughs) the penalty box for two minutes.
3: It's a five-minute minor. Yeah. The fact that this makes the most sense out of anything is the stupid crap we come (laughs) up with.
1: I don't get... Like, okay, if you're wanting to... This makes me so mad. If you want to make it where you're decreasing the shift... I don't like that but okay, whatever. But the whole aim of increasing base hits again. You're want, you're complaining that the game takes too long. So you're going to put the ball in play and have more hits to speed up the game? What are we, what are we doing here, man? Like think
3: about this. If you equate this over to football, it would be like saying that when you're on the goal line you can't have on defense you can't have six guys on the line of scrimmage yes how yeah. stupid does that sound <laughs> it's so dumb you can't have more than five guys on that line of scrimmage
1: or if in in basketball if you're in the lane you couldn't have more than two defenders
3: right like, this is just so stupid. And the fact that people just refuse to beat the shift rather than...
1: <sighs> I, I don't get it. My Probably yeah. one of my favorite plays in baseball, I don't know where it would rank, is when a team is in the shift and, a, and someone lays down a bunt.
3: Yes. God.
1: And especially,
3: I said it with Noah Ledford this year for Georgia Southern, because everybody shifted him, especially when he batted left-handed. But... If he would bunt down the third base line and get a good push bunt down the third base line,
1: he could have a double. Yes. I was just thinking Robinson Cano against the Red Sox a couple years ago. They shifted, and he didn't – it wasn't even a true bunt. It was just kind of a a choke up and a slap, and he just pushed it down the line, got a double. Yeah, beat it. You don't like it, beat it. Yes. By the way, I don't know if I've seen any team in college baseball shift more than the Troy Trojans do. Uh, No – Wow. Who?
3: We're we're gonna leave Troy alone on this one. It's fine. Although we, we may bring up the uh the Skylar Mead debacle in Statesboro
1: eventually. Uh uh. Well, I mean we've already brought up the press box up there. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful of those doors. Yeah, those they're tricky, man. They're uh they're loud. Uh <laughs> that's uh a... That's a story for another day.
3: Yeah, and probably another podcast where we're Pro- not using our real names. Probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last thing before we wrap it up here. Colin, you had shared with us um, that Adam Wainwright, apparently after every start um, the last couple of years, the day after his starts, he goes on what he calls a old man walk around the stadium they're at and just – sees the sights and sounds, meets the people, and just appreciates a ballpark. That's pretty dang cool.
3: No, I love this. And you and I have talked about this many times, how we're both ballpark dorks to where we'll get to a ballpark if we haven't been there before, and either on practice day, just walk around the stadium, be able to see everything in the stadium. And, Joe, you and I were talking about it before we started this. There's another layer to this old man walk.
2: Yeah, so Adam Wainwright actually, uh, for home games specifically, if the Cardinals are playing at Busch Stadium, he actually signs a baseball and hides it somewhere in the stadium and then puts a uh, a clue out on Twitter, and a fan can go and find the baseball. And this past uh, this past week he did one where he said, if you're looking for a frozen refreshment that's non-alcoholic, but it's not actually a beverage, and it was a frozen lemonade stand. And there was a a baseball signed by Adam Wainwright sitting on top and a little six-year-old kid found it. Uh, So it's just stuff like that, that, uh, that he does for the community for St. Louis is really cool. And actually uh, I saw a video of him in Pittsburgh earlier this year. He did a walk and Pittsburgh kind of did a cool ceremony for him. Uh, They brought him up to the booth that is in charge of all the led boards in the stadium and they told him to hit one of the buttons. So he pushed the button and in the outfield, it said, thank you, Adam in the outfield. Now, I don't know if that was for thanking him for striking out 15 the night before or, <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, it, it's cool gestures for from the Pirates to uh, to do that. And, and it's kind of cool that he does that at no matter what stadium he's at.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I, I would I mean, like you said, Kyle, I practiced a when. I made my first trip to Louisiana, Lafayette's to uh, Russo Park. Man, I did watch an ounce of practice. No, I I went upstairs, I set up my booth, and I just got lost. I just wandered around, went to their club level, looked at the suites. You know, I'm a I'm a Door handle puller. So
2: I mean, what one of the coolest places I've ever got to walk around at at a baseball game was when South Alabama football was playing Georgia State football at Turner Field, and me and Pat Greenwood ended up walking around Turner Field for about two and a half hours, just getting lost in the in the back rooms. It was it was really cool. <laughs> Time out. You want a
3: funny story about getting lost at Turner Field? Let's do it. So it was the first year that Georgia State played at Turner Field, which is it's
1: Turner Field. Not
3: any other oh, name. It's Turnerfield. No, yeah, it's Turnerfield. For sure. And I wave to it every, every time I pass it on I-75. Same. But it's so weird because you park in the same spot you would park for media for a Braves game, go in the same door, the same security guard is there, you walk the same route, and they haven't, internally, and I know they put up a couple of cute signs on the outside, but like, inside, there's still Braves logos. There's still red, white, and blue paint. It Like, everything still looks like the Braves are there. So you go up, and the only difference is when you open the door to your booth, abracadabra, there's a football stadium. But so the day that we were setting up, the day before the game, I was just – I'm like, you know what? I'm going to explore. So I went behind the second-base bleachers, and the Braves bullpen – is still intact. Like, the Weeds have grown up, but the Braves bullpen is still intact. So I took a picture and I tweeted it out. Well, Eric O'Flaherty and Peter Moylan commented and said, man, I'll used to love being in there. And that's the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and then I go, like, into the bowels of the stadium and I find myself into the Braves clubhouse that hasn't been touched. The only thing that Georgia State does is they now set up a backdrop and that's where they have their... Post game media, but like all the lockers are still intact. I went into Brian Snickers' office and I ducked a couple of security guards, but <laughs> it uh, yeah, so it's still
1: all intact, which blows my mind. The uh, that bullpen, it's funny. The last game I went to at Turner Field before the Braves moved, uh, Jason Grilly was the closer?
3: Oh, blast from the past!
1: Yeah, and me and my wife are sitting out there by the bullpen, and Grilly is talking to like the concessionaire, saying like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, what popsicles you got in there? What's uh, what's better, the the fruit or the dairy based?" And he's getting like all the down low on the popsicles. I'll be right back. Gives the clubby like his money because he's not supposed to buy food during the game. Gives the clubby some money. He goes up, buys the popsicles, goes and hands them to Grilly. He's like, hey, thanks, man. He's sitting there holding their three popsicles down to the dugout, just hanging out. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a good old time. All right. That's it. That's episode three of Around the Bases. We didn't get too fired up today. We didn't get too off the rails. There's still next week. There's yeah. still time. There's plenty of time. Oh, yeah. We will – We'll get off the rails next week on something, I'm sure. You can uh, You can get each weekly episode on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at ATB underscore show, and you can be a part of the show each week. Submit a question or a, a topic, a segment, whatever you would like to hear. Shoot us an email or a direct message or a tweet. Our email address, ATBRadioShow at gmail.com. That does it for this week's episode. For Colin and for Llama Joe, (laughs) I'm JT Crabtree. We'll talk to you next week on Around the Bases.
0: This has been Around the Bases with JT Crabtree, Colin Lacey, and Joe McNulty. Your weekly dose of baseball with a little extra.